0: and welcome to Beheaded. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 6. I'm Megan Moore. And I'm Elizabeth Black. Merry belated Christmas. Happy Christmas. In January. In the end of January. That's okay. As you know, Mm -hmm. those of you who've listened for a while, sometimes it takes a few weeks for Megan and I to get together and exchange gifts. Or a couple months. But today it's a few weeks. It's not that bad. It's not bad. We, okay, to be fair, Megan had her gift ready for me. Last time we met, when we did the Calico Jack episode, and I felt bad because I walked into her house, and she's like, Merry Christmas, (laughs) and a Happy New Year, (laughs) and then she gave me her gift, and I was like, I can't do this right now, but I'll get back to you, and I was an asshole, but... You weren't an asshole. You were honest. I was. Like, I, was. Well, I was like, well, did you just forget the
1: gift or do you even have the gift? And you were so, you're like, I haven't even thought about shopping.
0: I like, yeah, it wasn't like a, I knew I had to get the gift, but like between being out of town, coming back, getting things ready for work, like, you know, that whole week when you're just kind of getting back it's into madness. the swing of things, I was like, I just need a minute. <laughs> it's fine. And but- we like to get our books, which we'll discuss, mm-hmm. I'm pointing to them if you're watching the YouTube, um. But we like to get our books from a very specific place. It's like this old bookshop. So I was like, I just, it's far away. It's not like it's on the way to anything. And mm-hmm. so it's like we go to different locations of the same bookshop, mm-hmm. but like yours is way out of the way too. Sort of. But you it's think? always a fun trip
1: to go. Yeah. Like I don't mind it because it's a nice Saturday afternoon. There's sure. nothing better than like kind of sleeping in a little bit on a Saturday, <sighs> you know, taking the pup out for a walk, reading a little book. And then driving to the bookstore, and then having lunch and coffee, and it's always a fun. Like I make a whole thing that. of it. I right, I really like
0: it. It is nice. Yeah, and I did. Like when I got your book, um, I rerouted a, like like a like how to get there um, from like a place I was. Uh, like it was like a Wednesday or whatever. I was like, okay, I'm gonna go here and go there. And I thought it was gonna be this big expedition, and it was like next door. Oh, I was like, oh, funny, sweet. So I just got there, and it was like again, I love this bookshop. It's just like the smells of the old bookstores. It's great, oh, and you just like it's very organized. The one we go to, because again, multiple locations, but each location, it's like here's British history, here's French history, and it's mm-hmm. broken up by like Churchill and King Henry the Eighth. Yeah, you know, and it's like it's very specific. And every time you go, you, there's new discoveries because it's an old bookstore. So yeah. it's not like you go and see the same thing every time. You just keep
1: finding and there's a lot of collectors items and first editions, Sign signed copies, copies. and mm-hmm. so we always try to find something very unique and yeah. something that really caters to the other person's interests. And we know yeah. we're very unique gals. We got all kinds of interests. <laughs> it, it, it expands beyond just the blood. In the executions, yes. I mean, my book is a little bit about bloody executions. That's fine, but mine we, is not. <laughs> but so every Christmas we exchange a some type of like special book, and then on birthdays we do a coffee table book because yeah. nobody buys coffee table books for themselves. No,
0: because it's like a coffee table book is a big expense. Usually they're like they're not cheap. cheap. They're anywhere between like you know seventy five to like one hundred and fifty, two hundred bucks sometimes. So it's a nice gesture to be like, here's a coffee table book for your home. Because again, it's hard to buy for yourself. And like, unless you specifically tell someone, I Mm -hmm. want this coffee table book, you never get what you want. So I love that me and Megan have done this for years now where it's like birthdays are the coffee table book. And then Christmas is like, find an old book from an old bookstore. I love it. It's,
1: it's always, I highly recommend if you have book lover friends out there, family members. um, And I will say though, for the coffee table books. Don't buy online because we've both fallen victim victim to this on separate occasions. <laughs> where online they make it seem like it's a really nice coffee table book, and then you get it and it's tiny. You're yeah. like, wait, this
0: isn't like a display book. This is a <sighs> shove it behind something kind the of The first book. time that happened with Megan, like I got her this cute. Well, again, online it looked so yeah. cute. It was like, a and it l- is cute. It's cute, but like you know, it was supposed to be this awesome book on London and Ireland. I-
1: was it Ireland? Yes, Ireland.
0: Damn. Okay. One of the two. Because it's green.
1: It's pretty. I like the book. It's yeah. pretty.
0: But like, you know, when I first saw it online, I was like, that's perfect. It's going to be this nice centerpiece on her coffee table. And when I got it in the mail, it was like this rinky dink. Like, not not small, but like smaller than I thought. Like I've maybe an 8 same. by 10. I was
1: like, what is this? I also get fooled on used online bookstores. Yeah. Because I got you one that they said was in good condition. And I got it. And I wouldn't even like want to tell. It was falling. Apart, it was all written in. There's paper clips all through it. It was dirty. <laughs> this is not good condition. This isn't even like slightly used. This is extremely damaged. And yeah, it, yeah. So all that said, go in person, make an experience of it. Grab your iced coffee and whatever, and and get your fun.
0: friend a great book. Yes. Which really quick, we're going to discuss which books we got for each you other. You go first. So should, should I top? explain what you got me? Is that how it goes? Yeah, okay. and I'll explain what you got me. Okay, so I'm gonna pick this up. And again, if you're watching the YouTube, this is like a light green leatherish, not leather, what would you call Canvas, this material? Canvas fa- material. Fabric, book. Yeah, um, book. And it is The Wind in the Willows. And it is a 1919 edition. So if you like open the first, I'm gonna have you sound the sounds. ASMR. Um, Smell it does it smell like no it was 1908 1908 is when it was uh, oh 1914 is originally published. okay does it smell like world war I? Oh, that's world war one
1: yeah. yeah it was a dark and time like, for the wind in the it's gonna say it's like
0: uneven pages kind of yellowish think about all the children
1: hiding afraid like of, scared
0: of what the future would yeah bring.
1: afraid of bombs and coming yeah. down and their parents were like, "Let's read the one in the willows." Yeah, like that always cheers. Daddy's you up. coming home soon. Oh no, stop! But Daddy oh already died, and they Daddy didn't know died. it because the letter
0: was late in the mail. And he, he was like, "Read the book, Daddy got me." We shouldn't joke about fathers dying, Megan. Really insensitive of you. I was <laughs> I'm kidding. As you know, on this show, we make light of dark things. You just deal with it. Anyway, so um, this was originally published in 1808, but this edition... 1908. Whatever. You did that thing last time. I was like, in 2018. (laughs) No. The first two numbers don't matter. Um, 1908, and then reprinted in February 1919, and there's this, like, note... That someone wrote to their, uh, I guess whoever they gave it to. In it the was 1930s. the father often wore. And this is like it took us a while to decipher, but we think it says, "The wind in the willows" in quotation marks was first written by, oh, or in weekly letters. It's hard to read. It's very in, sloppy cursive. Yeah, to a little schoolboy, the author's only son who dies before his father in war. I don't know. It doesn't say, but it just says that this was written in November 17th, 1934. So I love, we love reading like the handwritten yeah. notes that people like give to each other. Cause I feel like before there were Hallmark cards, you would just find a book and be like, Oh, this made me think of you. So Megan mm-hmm. and I have a lot of old copies of books where it's like, someone's like, Hey, this reminded me of our trip to France. I hope you like it. It's so sweet when they read a the little like, message. Yeah. Like 1926. You're like, Oh, yeah. Cute. I like that. So again, excellent job, Megan. I'm going to put it in my bookcase here and it's going to be on display. The reason I got the wind in the willows is for
1: those who (laughs) have recognized, for whatever reason, we end up referencing like, mr toad mr toad's i'll say wild ride i know that's that's the ride (laughs) at disneyland but mr toad and rat and badger and i don't know why these come up as references so frequently for us but i felt like the wind in the Willows was appropriate considering the references that we have
0: and i have read the book before so i love that this is going to be more of a display piece
1: sorry for the noise
0: you're fine so Megan's gonna show her book now.
1: I got a lovely large book. Look how large it is. As large. Um, straight up, just called Thomas More. <laughs> so that is right up my alley. Perfect. It is um, the advance praise for Richard Maurice's Maurice, Maurice, Marius, Marius, Marius's Thomas More, mm-hmm. um, and it's a biography. But it looks like an extremely detailed. Biography. Very thorough. I,
0: How many pages does it have a page number? It's on? big. It's a big boy. It's a big book.
1: It's got uh, like 500, but they're a lot. It's but they're big. big, yeah. It's a big 500-page book. Um, and this is from 1984?
0: <laughs> oh, the days of 1984.
1: <laughs> I wasn't quite born yet. I'm a couple of years off of that. I think it was a little bit older than uh, that. Maybe just this coffee is 1984. Okay. But I think the... Oh, yeah... It's copyrighted. 1984. 1984. No, no, no. Doesn't it look much older? No, there's previous ones. 1976. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. But it's, it's, you know, the late 1900s. (laughs) Is that what people say now? Still very
0: historical. Um, But
1: I'm very excited to dive into this for those... Who have known me talk about this again and again and again.
0: And Megan took a picture in front of this portrait that's on the cover at Hever Castle.
1: Yeah, it's the actual portrait of Thomas More, and yeah. there's a really cool like me in front of it, which yeah. uh, I, I I always brag about this. But um, I am a distant relative of Sir Thomas More, descendant, descendant, yeah, uh, on my mother's side. So this means a lot to me because I like to read anything about Thomas More. I Appreciate him as a man. He's actually kind of controversial when you read some of – or, like, watch some documentaries and whatnot. Yeah. Um, There's a a cool thing on History Hit with Susanna Lipscomb and a few of our other favorites – and they talk about how he had, like, a sailor's mouth. like he, really? Yeah. Like, he was always, like, swearing a lot and talking really raunchy. No. Yeah. That's what they were saying is, like, he was kind of known for being, like, this kind of, like, blunt, like, dirty joke type of guy. Shut up. Yeah. I've right? never heard mm-hmm. of that side because of him Because he ever. seems so polished pious, and pious yeah, yeah because he's like all about the catholic church and everything Wow, but yeah evidently he so i'm like yeah that's my grandpa my great great <laughs> great, great, great 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 grandpa <laughs> great 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 was it great times 15 or something like that i think 15 like generations ago um, is what it was yeah. anyways yeah so that was our, our book exchange and so that always a fun that. tradition for us i love that
0: and, and really quick too along that same line like again i've mentioned this on the podcast probably gosh years ago now but, you know, my grandma always told us that we were related to someone royal. Mm-hmm. And she never knew it was the Boleyn family. It was Mary Boleyn specifically. Um, so she came over because she visited Arizona, where we Exciting. are. Um, she's never been out to Arizona. Like, we had her over for dinner. And I was like, oh, I might as well show her pictures of our London trip. Mm-hmm. So I showed her specifically Heaver Castle pictures. And, you know, my grandma's like 89. Yeah. right? So I wasn't sure how much she was really like you know, like, like interested in the content anymore, but I showed her, I was like, Hey, like you always talked about this growing up. Now I'm going to show you that Megan and I went there. Like we took pictures at Heaver Castle. Like this was Anne Boleyn's bedroom. There was pic- portraits of Mary Boleyn there and she got like really emotional and she yeah. actually, because again, like my family came from like England to Virginia to Nebraska to like wherever in the West. So she's actually going to like a funeral this upcoming week in Nebraska, and she was like, "I, I kind of want to show these photos to like our family and show them where like you came from yeah where we came from like we always talked about this we never quite knew the direct lineage or the names of everyone, um so it was kind of emotional showing her like I just meant it more as like hey after dinner let's just look at these photos but I think it was like deeply personal to her that's really cool. and I hope I hope she appreciated it but it was a nice moment you know and I feel like
1: that's that is how any place where Anne or Thomas More walked and yeah. when we went to Tower of London too I kind of get that feeling also right. even if you're not a descendant or you're related to them but just knowing that <sighs> this is where they walked this is where they were mm-hmm. it just all the stories you can only read so much and watch so much and then watch dr- dramas and reenactments and everything but It becomes so real when you're standing where they stood and where it all happened. It just, it does get emotional. It kind of hits home a little bit. So that's why we do this. That's why I think for anybody who's just a history lover. Yeah. um, You know, I think some people are the extreme opposite where they're all about the future and science and... And all about the progressive great. and that is yeah. good. That's awesome. But for us history lovers, it's mm-hmm. kind of about that nostalgic and reminiscing in the past and yeah. this really happened.
0: And it's nice to know, and I think when we had our interview with Dr. Owen Emerson, he said this, but you're only separated by time. Mm-hmm. You're not separated by space. Like this is the same place they were. Like yeah. the only thing that separates you and them is just that time.
1: Yeah. You know, the time That has was a passed. beautiful message. Mm-hmm. He was talking about how when you're in Anne Boleyn, room she would have seen the sun setting the same way the the direction the sun hits these windows doesn't change yeah. despite it being 500 years later exactly and yeah you know trees change and surroundings change and all of that but it it's it feels like yeah time kind of disappears when you're standing in the same place exactly it's very it's, beautiful. it's very moving oh. and I, that's wherever you go where it's like some type of historical mm-hmm. place
0: um, so we're going to step back in time a little bit. Yes. You're <laughs> going to go back... To Tudor era. Today's a good old Tudor episode. We like to sprinkle them in. We're, every we're running season. out of. Them. Not really. Like but there's still a ton. There's still a lot. We've covered a lot of the big mm-hmm. Tudor executions, and this one, like you know, and others. Like there's still so many. There and are. What we like is if you're again a fan of the show and you have been for years, like you can start connecting the dots. Like mm-hmm. oh yeah, like I remember that person you talked about, or I remember this era, or what King Henry the was doing at this time. So it's always nice to just. Revisit and reinforce the information you already know and fill in some gaps.
1: Makes you feel kind of smart, exactly. right? You're like, I love that when there's a reference that we've of someone who we've already done an episode on, I'm like, ah, know them. You're like, see season yes. two. Yes. And we're <laughs> going to probably drop some of those in there. We will. Um, today, we're talking about someone who you may not have heard of. I don't think she's anybody, I could be wrong, but as far as I'm aware, I've never seen her pulled into any type of like historical, historical drama. drama like the tutors or you know any of those shows <laughs> <laughs> i keep referencing the tutors i know there's more out there but that's our era that's the one we know the best <laughs> there's, there's a lot of them but yeah. i've never seen a reenactment of her uh her name is mabel brig yes like the name mabel mabel uh we're gonna start off with the don't know much about her early life we do know <laughs> she was born in 1506 and she was a servant Uh, She was a servant for many different households. She started off as a servant for William Fisher of Wellwick. And all we really know that he said about about Mabel was she fasted a lot. She was very religious for the Catholic religion. Right. And she did these fastings as part of her religion. And um, Elizabeth is going to get more into the fastings and what that means. But I feel like you can connect with that a little bit about Lent. And,
0: I was going to say, yeah, for yeah. me, and I've, I've talked about this on the, the podcast before, but like, you know, I grew up Catholic and like, we are still very much of the tradition of Lent, the Lenten season. So it's like the 40 days before Easter, you know, you're supposed to give something up. And I'm sure a lot of you have heard of this or are Catholic yourself or have Catholic friends or whatever, but you're supposed to give up something for Lent it's supposed to be a quote unquote fast in a certain way. And I think mm-hmm. most of us are like, no fast food, no chocolate, no dessert. Like you get dry gave, January. Yeah. Ooh, gross dry <laughs> January. It's not even lent yet. <laughs> but, um, um, so again, like during the Lenten season, uh, you know, it, it's, it's just a time where you're supposed to observe these certain traditions. And one of them is on Fridays, you're not supposed to eat red meat. So mm-hmm. that's where like fish Friday comes in, right? Fish fry, fish fry. Um, so you no know, meat on Fridays, and you're supposed to fast on Ash Wednesday when it starts. Which fun fact is the day after Mardi Gras? So if you've never know what Mardi Gras is about, it's Fat Tuesday. Oh. So that's like literally your last day to party before Ash Wednesday begins, and you're supposed to fast. Um. So, Fast Ash, Ash Wednesday, Fast Good Friday, which is the Friday Christ died, mm-hmm. and then Easter Sunday is the mm-hmm. following Sunday. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, that's just like a little bit of the Catholic tradition. We'll get more into what what that all means in context of this story. Um. But so so I've always been kind of familiar with the concept of fasting. I know in in Judaism too. Like like um they have a lot of different uh, fasting holidays where it's like. For I think, and we didn't really know this. Well, at least my family didn't growing up Catholic. But like, it has to do with sunset as well. Like, you're you sh- you're you're supposed to fast during the day, but sunset's like one of the fast breaks right. or things like that. You know, so so between like Muslim, Jew- like Catholic, Jewish, like the, all these different faiths have different kind of requirements for fasting, like what you're supposed to eat and not eat, if you can have water or not have water. So anyway, we'll get into those details. But for me, growing up Catholic, it was always kind of like. Yeah, you fast. No meat and milk. No meat during Fridays. You could have milk. Oh, you can't have milk. And I hate to say, but most Fridays I forgot about the meat thing. Mm -hmm. So I'd be like, oh, I didn't have meat yesterday. And I'd be like, you had pepperoni pizza. I'm like, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh.
1: so, So Mabel was working as a servant, and her employer said, yeah, she fasted a lot. She's very religious. But despite how how religious she was. She wasn't that great of a woman because supposedly mm-hmm. she um, did th- steal from him. So she was eventually fired for
0: theft. Right. Let go. Yeah.
1: Um, from, and really quickly yeah. we should
0: note, too, that she was a widow at this time and already had two kids. So she was fairly young. She's, like, in her 20s at this point. That's true. But, that's true. you know, when she came to these households to be a servant, she was already a young widow and already had two children. And we know
1: nothing about her husband.
0: No, nothing.
1: Yeah. Or her kids. Or her kids. So... Glad we could educate you. <laughs> Glad to be here for you, and that is the show. So have a great evening. Enjoy the rest of your day. Bye. No. Uh, okay, so then she gets fired. Yes, she then works for this guy named Nelson at Raymond. Garth, no, Rice and Garth, which is now a, a be a bed and breakfast in
0: Yorkshire. Oh, we should have gone there. No, right next time.
1: I was trying to like look up more about this guy and the where oh. he lived, and all it kept coming up was b&b stuff also mabel brig is also the name of a homeowners association i saw so that. if you mostly like where is it do you know i what don't it, know but what state like there wasn't a ton on like despite how interesting this woman's story was and we were really intrigued by it right it was kind of hard to pull information and i just kept getting stuff on this hoa it's
0: like <laughs> mabel brig homeowners association that's what they should do to rebrand certain things it's like you know Jeffrey Epstein <laughs> oh god no. he's a hot topic
1: right no, now no he is a but not like if you terrible. ever were his
0: publicist and wanted to bury him I don't him, want anything associated with that no asshole. I know but I'm saying like in 20 years 30 years when people kind of forget about him you would be like okay everyone welcome to the Jeffrey Epstein HOA oh, so insensitive I am not I'm not insensitive I'm just saying wouldn't that be funny if you created a that'd whole that'd be H-A- hilarious you're right
1: how about the Anne Boleyn insurance company
0: No, we can't vary her name.
1: Life insurance. (laughs) Life
0: insurance by Anne Boleyn.
1: No, divorce lawyer. Yeah. Anyway. Um, From there, she then is hired by John Locker.
0: Right. Locker? I think Locker. Locker. Yeah.
1: I didn't quite understand this. It was said in several places that she said that Nelson was paying her employment still, but she was working for this guy, John.
0: Yeah. Her payment at this point gets very... um, blurred. Like, who's paying her for what and why? Is she getting paid? Is she just some woman living in some man's house? But the fact that it is muddy, I think, suggests other scandal.
1: There probably was some, like, yeah, it was like if you kind of read the, like, oh, like, and then she was, you know, under the employment of so-and-so, under blah, 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 being paid by Nelson. Like, okay, none of that made sense. Mm -hmm. But she did show up at this guy's store with her two kids and uh,
0: you know, he employed her as as a servant of the household. Right. Mm-hmm. So by this time, it is summer, 1537. So she's about 31 years old, 32 maybe. And she meets somebody who's in the same town named Isabel Buck. So Isabel Buck kind of suggests to Mabel, like, hey... I recently lost a child and I can't do this fast I normally do. She probably was aware of Mabel's reputation of doing these religious fasts. And she's like, can you do this fast on behalf of me? Which is kind of a weird request, right? Like, I mean, you know it's gonna work. <laughs> yeah, like okay. So you, you can't someone? do the fast. So you're asking someone else to do the fast. Does that have the same meaning? So they even went so far as to like get a priest involved. Like they're like this priest has to sanction your fast on behalf of me. It was like a very formal yeah. thing that they agreed to. And the
1: reason for the fast was weird.
0: Yeah, and and when you asked um, Mabel, like, what, why did you agree to this fast? What's this fast about? Her, her, the way she defended it was like, oh, this was a charitable cause. Like, I did it for charity. But that's kind of all she said. She was just defending it. Like, this was a a nice favor that I did to to the bucks to to Isabel and her husband. Because
1: Isabel lost money, supposedly. Yeah. And the fast was to pray so hard to find the lost money. So that was the charitable
0: cause of not eating. Right. And in exchange, they gave her a peck of wheat, which is a certain like measurement of wheat and a half yard of linen. So they said, if we give you this, you'll perform the fast for us. Um, and the fast was a strict fast, also known as a black fast. Um, it was also, if you are like looking into this historically known as a Saint, um, tree Trinian's fast. And so we're going to get into this background a bit. So This was a very strict fast and it's kind of based on an ancient form of Christianity. So back in the eighth century, they practiced fast like this because I think once modern times caught up, they were more lenient with fasting, especially like in our modern time, like once you get to the industrial era, they're like, well, we can't have all these like workers. Who are supposed to be putting in 12-hour days. Like, they can't just be passed out on the job and their excuse is like, oh, well, I'm fasting today. I'm weak. So over time, obviously, these restrictions have loosened. But back in like, you know, before 8th century and then even now in the 16th century, you know, they're still kind of saying, hey, we have these very strict fasts that we go by and that means no food or water. Like, you're not allowed anything.
1: That is unhealthy.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Because even... Again, fasts that were strict, you still have water because that sustains you as a human. No milk. (laughs) (laughs) They said, yeah, they said no milk, no meat. No eggs, like no dairy, like nothing, and no alcohol. Oh my god! Which at these times, most I think people drink a lot of like mead. It (laughs) was probably (laughs) safer than the drinking water that they had. It was distilled. They drink so much because they had to. Because it's probably again healthier and cleaner, quote unquote, than a lot of drinking water. Mm. So, so this was very, very strict. And the only time you could maybe have a meal if you were observing this fast was after sundown, you could have one meal. And again, it still had to be like a strict diet meal. It was like you were allowed maybe bread with some herbs and salt. Hmm. Like you, we still weren't allowed to have the rest of what we just mentioned.
1: Okay. Sounds, sounds fun. (laughs) Sign me up. Sounds like January for me. (laughs) So (laughs) this is
0: your dry January. And so typically again, like Catholics especially observe this specific type of fasting at Lent. Um, And again, Ash Wednesday, like we mentioned, Good Friday, like we mentioned, and some of them went so far as to do every Wednesday and Friday with oh. the black fast so it was like again just stricter times hmm. and then the holy week which is the the final week of lent you're supposed to do this every single day and so and again your lenten supper is just bread salt herbs maybe they'd allow you a little bit of water if you're mm-hmm. feeling weak so again, this kind of lightened throughout history, but in these days that they, they did like a three day black fast. And the whole point of the fast was that you would put your mind to something that you really wanted. Kind of like, you know, when you do like yoga modern day, they're always like, set your intention for your practice. Like, what is it you really want out of today? And it's supposed to be beyond like, oh, I want to feel good about my body. or I, I want to find breathe. my
1: friend's money. Yeah.
0: You're supposed to like, yeah, like, like have your intention set on something. So they say during this three-day black fast, you have to set your intention. So, of course, because Isabel Buck is, like, employing her, she's like, focus on my lost money. Focus on my things. Because you're, like, my surrogate.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so is it that someone took the money? Did she just misplace the money? Does she think she's going to be led down to where she dropped it? it like, none
0: of it I'm not quite sense. sure. You know, this this all gets very foggy as to who's paying her and why.
1: Why are we doing this, table? <laughs> why? why are where, are we how doing did this? we get
0: here? Right, right. Um but you know the the intention was she focuses on a certain intention and she has to pray to like a specific saint. She can't just say oh the the money should be found. She has to like pray to a certain saint during this time and ask for these things. Um so again whenever she was asked about it they're like why are you fasting? She's like it's charitable. Yes. Who's Megan. the saint of lost things? I should know this. There's a saint for that francis yeah (laughs) does that that sound right right. that might be right can i came out of nowhere i I have no idea with a
1: random side story please do sorry not to
0: like totally divert
1: we never we never uh all of this like praying for something lost made me think of something okay so i had a weird story that happened the
0: problem is i can't remember what i've forgotten (laughs) (laughs) okay neville the year is 2013 (laughs) modern times huntington beach uh yes, we were, but I
1: was in Newport Beach with my mother and we were shopping at this like pretty large outdoor shopping area. For those who are familiar with Orange County, Fashion Island, it's like a pretty big, I know
0: Fashion Island. Well,
1: you know, we have listeners from around the world and You're they right. may not know Fashion Island in Newport Beach. It's a large outdoor shop shopping with it's very all the stores. Swanky. All the stores are there. So my mom and I are shopping and mind you, I I wore these like super cute wedgie heels. But, knowing me, I knew that my feet were gonna get blisters. Mm. So I had little like flats in my purse, right. And we'll get back to the flats. But I had those in my purse <laughs> to like ba- as backup shoes just in case. okay, And I had just gotten a new bracelet from my mom that was like a really nice like silver. It was for my birthday, and what beautiful. yeah. so um at one point, I looked down and I realized the bracelet was missing, mm. and I was like really upset because I just like, I just got it that weekend. And I'm with my mom who just got it for me. She's like, well, let's just like retrace all of our steps. Right. And my mom who's Catholic starts praying to the Saint of Lost Items. Maybe St. Francis. I I think it might, it rings a bell. We should probably Google that. (laughs) Yeah. I could probably Google it if I wanted to, but so my mom is praying and I'm like, no, I'm just going to like retrace my steps. And I did, we went to like backwards like four different stores like i went to gap i went to lucky brand i'm like okay i looked at this rack i looked at this rack <laughs> and i actually found the bracelet where was it um it was in like one of the racks of clothes that i was looking at it was like laying on the bottom like it wow. slipped off so we found it i was like really stoked yeah and my mom and i are giggling like i can't believe we found it like this place is huge and it that was at like one of the first stores we went at, so I lost it pretty early on. Right, and then we're we're chatting, we're talking, we're laughing, and I look down and I see a shoe on the ground, and I was like, "That looks like my <laughs> shoe." And I look in my purse, and I only had one of my flats, and it was the second flat that somehow so you fell lost in my all purse. your
0: things, in and one my month. mom
1: was like, "Well." St. Francis overdid himself. You are finding lost things you didn't even know you lost yet. She's
0: like, I lost this five years ago. Yeah,
1: anyways, (laughs) it it really kind of like tripped me out a little bit because my mother was just so confident. She was like, yeah, well, that's what happens when you pray to the saints. It's so true. And I was just for a moment, I was like, whoa, like I didn't even know I lost my shoe when I lost it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It
0: it is crazy, like, because again, Megan and I both grew up Catholic, but like Like, because my grandma would always say that. Like, anytime you had an issue, she'd be like, Oh, pray to this saint.
1: Mm -hmm. Like,
0: you know, a specific saint for a certain thing, whether it was health or lost things or wherever. Like, and they were so confident that that would work because it always worked for them. They're like, Pray to that saint and you'll find it. Like, pray to this saint and everything will be okay. And you're just like, What? Like, in your modern brain that's so rational, you're like, No, please. That would never work. But somehow, it always does. I don't know.
1: I don't know. I've been, like, exposed to so many different mixed religions because my mom is Catholic. My dad is Jewish. Right. My husband introduced me to Christianity, just non-denominational, like yeah. uh, which is just everything. Just talk to Jesus. So, you know, it's, <laughs> it's whatever works for you. And that's what works for my mom. And yeah. I guess it does work because I got a shoe and a bracelet out of hey. it. So, <laughs> anyways, not to digress, but speaking of praying to the saints and yeah. what that meant, it just made me think of that story. And you know what? I. Yeah. Maybe praying for the lost money works to this. It could.
0: One store. time, I f- I didn't pray, but I found a stone that I lost in my ring. Like I was walking to a college class, which was like probably two mile walk or something crazy, and then like I lost the stone, was upset during class. When I walked back, it was like you on found the it. Ground. See, sometimes You're like, it's this you big, just... it's teeny tiny. You somehow it's you just see that? like yeah, it is
1: weird when those things happen. It's I think it's meant to be.
0: Anyway, so. Um, so once we kind of unpack the story of Mabel Brigg, we find that like, she's kind of had a history of this working for her. And we think that's why Isabel like hired her mm-hmm. because it was kind of known like that she had done this before where she had like prayed, uh, had this fast. And apparently one time she prayed for like someone to get seriously injured and or killed. And like soon after the guy broke his neck. So like- she, she was kind of, she she's your mom in this situation. Coincidence? We don't know. Also, <laughs> she's like, oh, I'll just do a fast
1: and we'll make it happen. Every source said he broke his neck, and we don't know if that means that he actually died or not. That's true. But breaking your neck is a pretty serious situation.
0: I feel like that's hard to I know get back from. I didn't know a girl once who broke her neck at a Stevie Aoki concert because oh. Stevie Oki landed on her. Oh! <gasps> Wait. And she legit broke her neck. <laughs> but she's fine now. He landed on her. She was like, I think it was like a pool party, and she was underneath like a floaty. Oh. And she's like holding up a floaty. And he, you know, Stevie famous for like the famous like cakes in the crowd and then jumping on the crowd. So he jumped on the floaty, straight up broke my friend's oh neck. My God. She was on the ground, and she couldn't move, and they had to come to her with, like, a neck brace. <gasps> and she's, like, again, I quote-unquote fine now. I hope she's, like, doing okay, but I, a lot of physical therapy and wow. things. Wow. Yeah,
1: that's not something you, like, get out of quickly. I think she got a lot of money. <laughs>
0: <Probably>. <laughs> so, but that's, yeah, so you can technically break your neck and be, like, alive. If so someone's going to break your neck, make sure they're rich and famous. Maybe make sure maybe. it's Steve Aoki, asshole. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> um, anyway, so... Uh, So, so there's also some like speculation about this black feast or excuse me, black fast because um, yes, it's like a Catholic thing. It's a very religious thing, but there are certain things to suggest that it also might be like a Gaelic harvest festival thing, which is a little bit more folklore and like, like earthy Mm. um, because this day, like, like she, she did it during this um, event called Lammas so Lammas is um, a term for Loaf Mass Day, right? Loaf like a loaf,
1: loaf like a bread, bread. loaf, uh,
0: okay? Yeah, loaf. And they mass say day. they say loaf refers to the Eucharist, like the body of Christ. Okay, I'm um, yeah. So so it's very blurred lines between is this Christian or is this potentially not Christian because it falls between the summer solstice and the autumn equinox. Mm. So it's like this halfway point between those two. Um, "Quote unquote holidays," and uh, there used to be certain church processions that would lead to bakeries, and you would like celebrate this like Ooh, a loaf-mast little, a little, little bake crawl, bakery, <laughs> bakery crawl, bakery crawl, this little a loaf crawl. Yeah, like this. this little pilgrimage get to some, the bakery, get some bagels. So it got like kind of blurry between like, well, is she that Catholic and is she that pious? Because yes, it seems like what she's doing is like a traditional Catholic fast. But she's doing it at a certain time that might suggest maybe this is more Gaelic or folklore. Um, it also coincides with something, I think, or sorry, this is the Gaelic word for it, but it's called lug. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna say that completely this wrong. This is new for
1: us. We normally fuck up languages pretty bad, but we've never fucked up Gaelic before. You're right. This new, is new, new for us. New Gaelic fuck up. Good job. Good job. Luke Lug- Nush- I can't shan. even read your writing if I wanted to. <laughs> You're right. Also, every time you say folklore, in my brain, I just think stop. It's folklore.
0: There's enough Taylor Swift references on this episode. Um. So anyway, so uh, so this was like a whole thing of like okay. Was she being pious and devout to her Catholic faith? Was she actually praying for the things she should pray? Lost money. Like, lost money. Or was she being a bit more devious with Isabel because it fell on that specific day?
1: Well, we're going to get into that. Mm -hmm. So... Her employer, Locker, and his wife, Agnes, yeah. Don and Agnes, mm-hmm. uh, they come out in January 1538. Which is like six months later, by the way. They've been brewing on this for a little bit. Mm-hmm. So clearly, it's not settling with them well. They know that she did this three-day fast. They know that it was at this timing and oh all the references, sorry for the noise, references for... um. Uh, you know what it could be pertaining to mm-hmm. and they come out and they basically call her out on her shenanigans and they say they say Mabel was fasting with the intent to kill King Henry the eighth <laughs> our buddy the current king on the throne it's fifteen thirty eight this is two years after Anne Boleyn was. Was beheaded.
0: Yes. His current wife is Anna Cleves right now. No, he actually was in between wives because oh. Jane Seymour died in fifteen thirty seven, right? And Anna Cleves wasn't until I think a few years later. Oh, so he's literally in between okay. li- wives. He's mourning Jane Seymour right And now. at this time too, in the Tudor period, uh Thomas Cromwell, who we've talked about, he was our episode finale last season. Um, he's doing the whole dissolution of the monasteries
1: thing. Oh, fun time! Yeah, so <laughs> great time to so, be alive. In yeah, England. a great time to be a Catholic, evidently, in England to yes. be doing your extreme fasting and praying to saints. <laughs> so, so they come out saying he was, she was doing this fast with the intention to kill not only King Henry VIII, mm-hmm. but also randomly the Duke of the Thomas Howard, the third Duke of Norfolk. Yeah,
0: who's our buddy Anne Balloon too. and Catherine Howard's
1: uncle. Duke of Norfolk,
0: mm-hmm. Norfolk.
1: I can never say that. Norfolk. I think it's milfook. Norfolk. Norfolk. <laughs> <laughs> the the hard part is when we you only hear the British, British people British. say it. You want to mimic the British accent to say it correctly. But, but like, it in sounds, American, is it Norfolk it sounds or Norfolk? dumb when we say it. Nor no. Norfolk, folk, folklore. <laughs> the Duke of Folk. No, forget about it. <laughs> Norfolk, forget about it. Yeah, good.
0: Yeah, that didn't, that didn't work like it
1: did in my brain. Anyways, um, this guy—he's the douchebag who was the judge, one of the judges on trial for Anne Boleyn, her own uncle who did her out. So Rude. you know what? I'm not—I'm not like for or against taking either of them out, but allegedly these are the people that she wanted dead in her life. Um, so and then that's when it comes out to where Agnes is like, "Yo, this girl has a history, and she's not doing these." Fasting's just for charitable work. She brings up again the the man that she fasted, trying to kill him or do a serious harm, and he ended up breaking his neck. Mm-hmm. And it turns into a full on investigation, right? Sir Ralph Ellerker he starts this investigation very specifically on March 11, thirty eight. Mm-hmm. He brings them to trial to York, and everyone up on trial. It's Mabel Brigg, it's Isabel Buck, yes. it's Isabel's husband. And her father-in-law, so her husband's father as well. Right. Because supposedly they were trying to, like, interfere and bribe, bribe as a part of the investigation. We don't know how or what they were trying to do. Yeah. I'm assuming they were trying to pay off the investigator, like, eh, eh, like just yeah. turn a blind eye. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's no fine. big deal. It's not a big deal.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I kind of want to take a moment to talk about what's going on in Tudor history with allegations of witchcraft. Yes. Because that's what this is leading towards. On one hand, we have someone who claims that she is a pious Catholic woman and she was doing this fasting to help her friend. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, everyone else is saying, no, you're doing this fast as, like, satanic work right? to intentionally kill the King of England.
0: Yeah. And we have to remember at this time, like, when we talked about Anne Boleyn and her maybe involvement in the arts of black magic, mm-hmm. like... This wasn't a thing yet, right? It's not like Salem Witch Trials, where you could just be like, witch. Like, no one really knew what that meant yet. Like, they were still exploring the early foundations of, like, how you could be accused of being a witch. Like, what it meant to be involved in dark arts. So, like, it's still very new. People didn't quite label it correctly or know how to, like, speak about it. Because it was just, like... She's doing something devious. We don't like it. We don't it. know what. It, seems it could be adultery. It could be like you know. It could be this and that. So it wasn't. I think until a little bit later in history that they actually deemed it like oh it could be witchcraft. But they just yeah. like were starting to realize what that was at this time. Um, it wasn't really until James
1: the first of England slash James the sixth of Scotland. Yes. But that was early. Mary, that was Mary Queen of Scots' son. Right. Mm-hmm. That was um, early to mid 1600s is when this started really getting, getting down to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but Henry did have speculations about witchcraft. And it's kind of a fine line because I think the Tudors are known for being very in tune with alchemy and astrology. Yes. And predictions even. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, and that was more yeah. deemed
0: like science.
1: Yeah. It, it was this Weird. fine line of, of when is it used for dark arts and bad intentions? Mm-hmm. And when is it used to make good in the world and predict good things? And you're just using the science of the stars and alchemy and all of that. So right. it, it kind of like, it, there's, blurred, there's, there's, br- <laughs> there's blurred lines for sure. Mm-hmm. And um you know we can also use Elizabeth Barton as example. Oh, of perfect this. example. Mm-hmm.
0: We we reference Elizabeth Barton in our first season, the Nun of Kent, if you mm-hmm. remember her. Um, and I think they're put in the same bucket at this time of like like Elizabeth Barton was having I think visions right mm-hmm. of of King Henry VIII dying, and because because she was very public about all of that, like she was executed. So I think they threw a bunch of women in this big group of like, these are women that are up to no good. They're making predictions about the king's death. Like they're treasonous.
1: Yeah. And that is where, again, where, how is this being used for? Mm -hmm. I feel like Henry got He saw it as bad whenever people wanted him dead, but it was good when they were using these powers to to manifest sons and um, all of that. So I'm going to jump ahead just a little bit, and Mm -hmm. then we're going to get back to Mabel. So- Bear with us; we're going around the timeline a little bit. So, mm-hmm. so Mabel is in 1538. Fast forward a few years later into 1542, you can tell which witchcraft is still really heavy on Henry VIII's mind. Right. So, at this time, while witchcraft was really big in Germany, in Eastern Europe, in France, in Spain,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it it really wasn't significant in England. However, Henry did release an act where he claimed any type of witchery is a felony Mm -hmm. and it was like an automatic death sentence. Right. Regardless of how you were using the witchcraft Mm -hmm. or potions or prophecies or whatever it is that you were dabbling in. Totally. Um, Something that was also kind of a big deal at that time because witchcraft was something that you could be tried for like Mabel. Mm -hmm. But in this act... It's called um, the Henry VIII Witchcraft Act. So very (laughs) to the point. Very literal. Um, He actually removes the right of a benefit of clergy. And what that means is prior to this act being released, if someone was accused of witchcraft Mm -hmm. and they were sentenced to death. If they were able to read a passage from the Bible, they could spare themselves from death because it was proof that they weren't a witch.
0: <laughs> they had a lot of weird tests to prove if you're a witch or not.
1: Yeah. And that was kind of a big deal to people because mm. they're like, oh gosh, like they don't even have an out. It's just automatic death. Yeah. Um, there are some torture techniques that they really started using during this period of time as well to dis- to prove if someone was a witch. Um, the sleep deprivation, just keeping them up for days at a time. hmm
0: dunking, which was dipping them in the water. And this one we've talked about before. It was like, if you drowned, it proved you weren't a witch, (laughs) but then you're dead. (laughs) And if you floated, it proved you were a witch, so you would live, but then they'd kill you anyway because you're a witch. It was a a death death situation there. Really sophisticated techniques.
1: (laughs) I like this word, pillywinks.
0: I don't know that one. It's basically thumbscrews. Ew. But it sounds better when you say pillywinks cutesy we're gonna put you in the we winks gonna put a wink on you <laughs> um
1: wrenching which is when they put the rope with a knot and would tie it on your neck and mm. suffocate you mm-hmm. they would do it just enough this is just to get confessions out of people this isn't to kill this is just torture oh, um, pricking they stick needles in you and see if oh, acupuncture places that didn't cause pain or bleeding meant that you were a witch
0: <laughs> That was yeah.
1: insane Amongst other things. So anyways, that, that's what's going on. Um so Henry puts in the Witchcraft Act. His son, Edward the actually repeals the part about the bene- like removing the benefit of clergy to kind of show like how big of a deal that was. Yeah. And they're like, eh, I'm gonna like stick that little clause back in there. Oh jeez. Um 1562, Elizabeth is on the throne right. and she put pulls out the act against conjurations, enchantments, and witchcraft. Like no congregating and <laughs> no congregating, no con- conjurations. <laughs> and she actually makes it a little bit um, easier for people, which is weird because during this time, mm-hmm. this is right before James, so it hasn't hit its peak yet. But she actually kind of regressed on what her father did. There was still all the acts of like, yes, witchery can be a felony, but she she implemented that the death penalty was only when harm is caused. Okay, and lesser offenses would just get
0: imprisonment. So if you're just doing witchcraft for a non-harmful way, it's cool.
1: It's cool. It's cool. It's, we're cool with that. But <laughs> if you're trying to say I want the king of the king of England dead and the random Duke of Norfolk, yeah,
0: then you will go to the. Gallows. Gallows. We have to remember that, like all monarchs, are super paranoid at this time, and they think everyone is trying to kill them. That's whether true, especially through, Henry. Yeah, whether it's through poisoning their food or praying, a, you know, for their death, like anything that you do to imply the monarch mayor, like might die, like you die. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of how how it worked. So most of our Tudor episodes are all about treason they're all about wishing the king dead they're all about trying to change the order of of succession like that is essentially what it boils down to Mm -hmm. like if you're a person who speaks ill against the king who has visions about you know the death of the king whatever it could be no matter how small like you're the one that's going to die yeah so you gotta be careful and that's why I think so many people like in this time they just live in fear of their monarchs. Like they live in fear of the hierarchy because they're like, Well, I can't speak against the king, I can't demonstrate against the king, I can't do anything except for live my little like servient, you know, <laughs> subservient life, because otherwise you're you're dead. That, yeah. And there's and they make it very public, which is what well, we can kinda get down to the end of this story. Sure. Yeah. Take but, us home. Yeah. <laughs> so so what happens to our girl Mabel? Um, you know, she, after the whole investigation concludes, they find that both Mabel and Isabel Buck are guilty. And so they mm-hmm. essentially say, like, again, after, even though the bribes were trying to happen with Mabel or Isabel's husband and her father-in-law, um, Isabel's punishment was eventually canceled, but Mabel didn't really have anyone to speak for her, right? Like, she's a widow. So Mabel was sentenced to hang for treason. Slash, again, witchcraft, which wasn't really articulated, but that's there. There's remnants of witchcraft accusations. Um, So she's uh, sentenced to be executed at York on April 7th, 1538. So she goes to the site of the execution, and she's actually hanged until strangled, right? So she's not just snapping her neck She sits there for a while.
1: I wonder how long, because we've heard stories where it could even take, it could take like an hour. Hours. Yeah. Or even half the day. And family
0: members would come and like pull on their feet to try to make it happen faster. Yeah. It's it's pretty wild. Um, I actually had that question recently. We were watching a movie. (laughs) And someone was like, oh, so do they, you know, how how does it work? Does the neck just snap? I was like, well, there's multiple ways. And I was like, and if you go to our Blackjack Catch 'em episode, either is a specific way the noose should be hang in terms of the length Wait, of the Wait, someone asked you about this? Yeah. I love that you're an expert on hanging. I am an expert now. And I was like, there's a table that shows you, according to the height and weight of the person, how yeah. long the rope should be. And if they got it wrong. You can either, yeah, if they get it wrong, you either strangle or you decapitate. Yeah. <laughs> if the, the correct way is to, you know, have someone just neck snap, but it's not as easy as it sounds. Anyway, um, so she she had to strangle for a while, and apparently there were, like, hundreds of people that showed up to her very public execution. And, again, King Henry wanted this, right? Even yeah. if he wasn't the one that specifically said, like, this is how she should die, everyone who works for King Henry VIII in his court, like, they know this is the intention is to cause that fear, to mm-hmm. cause that, like that scare so that way you know you don't talk bad about the king you don't prophesize about the king's death no matter what scale you do it even if you say you're just fasting for a charitable cause (laughs) better be damn clear what that cause is yeah like you yeah you better say at the beginning like this is what the cause is and it's not king henry i want him to live yeah (laughs) is anything that suggests otherwise leads you to that that fate and to be clear if she were a man Oh. She'd be hanged, drawn, and quartered, which we've talked about in depth on a lot of yeah. episodes. And that is not a pleasant way to go out. So yeah. she's a little bit lucky that she just got a standard hanging.
1: To, to be clear, that was for treason. Like, she, Yeah. yeah the hanged, drawn, and quartering was, was meant for treason. treason which the hang by strangling she, for treason for a woman. Yeah, which yeah, yeah. she was, yeah, yeah, yeah treasonous. Yeah.
0: But yeah, yeah. It's just the, It was
1: like this like weird mix of treason with like... A dash of witchcraft, <laughs>
0: <laughs> sprinkle in a little a witchcraft, little which, we're, which we still don't understand, but we're going to throw that at you. Right? It, yeah. It's 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 kind of a,
1: a just a bizarre situation. And again, like I, I realize the story isn't very thick, but the reason that I liked it was there's not a lot of stories of women in Tudor history besides the major queens who spoke out against King Henry VIII. Right. I think we have Elizabeth Barton. Now we have Mabel Brig. And Ask You. And Ask You. Yeah, you have a few There's that a it's few. like... a few.
0: It's either for religious reasons or somewhat treasonous reasons. Yeah.
1: <laughs> there was one other story I found of a woman, but there was so... There was like three sentences I could find about her. I'm like, if we were to make a 50 minute episode <laughs> on that, I think people might poke their eyeballs out. It's a lot of tangents. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I do think like it says something that f- the fact that they is so little on it. I don't know. It, it makes me think... I don't know where I'm going with this. It it makes me think that women are just seen so little in history, maybe, that they can't even carve out enough.
0: Yeah. Well, that's what's frustrating, I think, when we look back at these episodes about, specifically witches, a lot of them are widows. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, think about, like, Isabel Buck in this story. Isabel, yeah. Isabel Buck could have been very much... A protagonist in the story where we talk about her life, her death, her execution. But guess what? She had, like, a husband who was willing to bribe the investigators. And she got off and no one knows what happened to her. Mm. So it's unfortunate that a lot of the witches and women executions that we've covered have been widows. Yeah, because they have no one to stand up for them. They have no man on their side to speak up for them, which is awful like it you would think you, you should this, be able to speak to your for yourself And this isn't that long ago this is only a few hundred years ago <laughs> it's
1: a little i mean
0: it's like 500 years I ago know, but in terms of like the history of the earth the fact that women are like you I know mean, think
1: about just a hundred years ago not even think about today this is happening
0: no yeah i don't know i i, <laughs> I think <laughs> i'm not
1: shocked i guess is what i'm saying but, but there's still a wage gap let us not forget <laughs> <laughs> it's still an issue to this day, but um, they do think that they, the inevitable them out there, yeah. potentially locker his his her employer, locker the John and Agnes. There's gotta be more going on because they think that they egged a lot of this on. Because they were the the ones that sounded the alarm six months later. Yeah, six months later. Like what were you like festering for so long that you came up with these these allegations? Yeah. And they they, yeah, they threw her
0: out. Oh, under the bus about it totally yeah it's one thing to like do it as soon as she did the fast like hey we, we we suspect something fishy here let's like sound the alarm but the fact that they waited a while and like who knows if they didn't have a vendetta against the buck family like they don't know and they must have really hated her i think really so.
1: hate someone to yeah. do
0: this yeah and in these days again i mean that's why they call it a witch hunt right because you could just say like hey witch and immediately, everyone's drawn to that person, Yeah, you know, in a negative way, and they hunt them down.
1: They're burning all of the witches, even if you aren't one. <laughs> so light me up. Light me up. Go ahead and light me up. Welcome to my life, everybody. I could probably speak in only Taylor Swift quotes. It comes back to this all the time. It's a talent. I have a shirt that says that. It says light me up? No, it says they're burning all of the witches... Even if you aren't one, and then there's like skeletons in the middle, and they're like, nah! and they're on fire, and, and the then the saying, no, no there's like up. in the corner on the side it says, so light me up.
0: So then there's this like iridescent like LED light that shows up, and it says, so light me up, and the back says, light me up. That would be cool. <laughs> I should make that. It only cost one hundred and fifty dollars on the Taylor Swift website. <laughs> Taylor Nation, first of oh, all. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know any of this. <laughs> I'll educate you. It's okay. I like that people think I'm a Swifty, by the way, because of my association with you. You should like, take that as a compliment. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, have you heard this thing about, and I'm like, oh, this and this about Taylor Swift. I'm like, yeah. Oh my gosh. Do you know because you're Swifty? You and I't like, refer to Megan on I'm that. like, no. <laughs> I'm like, I personally, you know, I don't dislike Taylor Swift. I like the lady. Who doesn't? But but Megan is my Taylor Swift aficionado, so I'm always like, oh, no, I just know this because my friend tells me every tiny detail about what she was whispering at the Golden Globes. That's important <laughs> shit. And
1: I won't get into it. I'm not a new Swiftie. I've been a Swiftie since 2013. So Congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations. It's the same year I lost my shoe and my,
0: my bracelet. I thought you were going to say something entirely different.
1: Uh, <laughs> I guess I got married. <laughs>
0: Secondary Uh, to the praying to St. Francis We should also double check that it was St. Francis Because I'm going to feel like a jerk If this whole episode we referenced him And he doesn't get the credit
1: Saint of lost
0: items Saint Anthony of Padua Saint Padua Padua Um, It's a city in Italy I think
1: We were wrong. St. Anthony is the one she prayed to. If if you were listening to the top of the episode and you were screaming, these dumb women don't know anything. These dumb Americans. We can now correct ourselves in the same episode. It is St. Anthony. As you all know, we learn over time. Patron saint of lost and stolen articles. Not just lost, but also stolen.
0: Oh, powerful Franciscan preacher and teacher. Excellent. Elizabeth. (laughs) We?
1: We, we? I'm trying to finish here. Go ahead. (laughs) Any final
0: words? So light me up. Light me up.